Hey everybody, welcome to what has now become the 11th episode of the With Podcast. Uh, we hope it's been a challenge to you, hope it's been encouraging to you, stretching, and also another uh, bridge, hopefully, of connection that we've been able to maintain in our present circumstance. We're, we're going to try again, try again today to wrap our head, heart, and hands around doing one thing, and one thing in particular, with. Now, with comes in lots of different forms, with God, with others, and with ourselves. This conversation uh, on the podcast is aimed around doing just that one thing. You know, there's this overarching thought that God is always around, which yields an expectation that God is always involved, like an uber-sheltering helicopter parent. Uh, And as an aside, as a former educator and a pastor, now a parent myself, I'm all for helicopter parents. I'm all for people who are present in their kids' lives. But I'm talking about the uber-sheltering helicopter parent who who nitpicks and overhandles their child's every move. I agree that God is with but I've also come to a place in my life where I don't even remotely think he overhandles. Honestly, I wish he would be more involved. Uh, there are too many friends whose lives have been lost at a young age. There are too many circumstances that have unpacked that I just I can't wrap my head around. Pestilence, injustices, uh, cancer. These are just a few hard and fast examples that I cannot reconcile with a good God who overhandles. To be clear, there's so many things I don't understand, but I'm leaning into a a, a desire, but more than a desire, a, a factual footing that God is with us. He is good. He loves us, even in spite of what we do to ourselves and oftentimes what we are dealt in the circumstances of life. But this thought and this expectation of a God who is uber-present and perhaps over-handling, I think it does find its footing in some way, shape, or form in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12 that declares Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, James chapter 1 verses 16 and 17, Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers, uh, which again would communicate we are easily deceived. He says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. He doesn't morph. He doesn't somehow become something else. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is declared in the scriptures to be the Alpha and the Omega. There's this there's this rhythm, there's this reminder through the scriptures of a God who never leaves, of a God who never forsakes. Even a casual reading of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. There is just this folding in and folding over reality that God is around, that God is present. There's a phrase that's used in the Old Testament, in the New Testament in particular as well, that the, the one whom the prophets spoke about, they're talking about it in the future tense of the Old Testament, and then it's mentioned as a testimony to who Jesus is. So there's this, there's this as if the movement is looking towards and pointing for Jesus, and that Jesus is here not just in essence, but in experience as the presence of God. And then into the future, into the early church, the book of Acts and the epistles, into our lives today, that God is with us. He is 
present. The point I'm trying to get at is this. God is the initiator as well as being a great point of fulcrum and he wants to be in our future. So the beginning scriptures house the whole of his intentions and weave into the poetic language of our creation narrative so much for us to learn. There's so much in these beginning lines to understand because it's it's us. It's us getting unpacked. Yes, there are things about God, but there's so much for us to learn about us. And I want to read a few verses that I think give us more than enough to talk about for several weeks. Genesis chapter 1 verses 28 through 31. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. I I think we very naturally discover a lot of our what's. uh, What uh, we're made for. What we can do. What we're capable of. Both in healthy and unhealthy ways. But our how takes much more wokeness than work. Are you with me? (laughs) You can drill down on and discover the what by simply working and doing and being. But, But the how, how you do those things... How you go about such takes a level of self-awareness, nuance, and precious application of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of the fruits of the Spirit. I can't tell you how many times what I've said to my wife was 100% correct, but how I said it was 0% correct. It was 100% wrong, and it's shocking how that differentiation between the how and the what. What I said was correct. How I said it was wrong. Therefore, the what was completely obliterated and made null and void. These instigating and empowering verses I just read from Genesis 1 verses 28-31, they rest really on five pillar words or phrases of blessed, Fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue, have dominion, and given. The two key players involved in the script of all creation, according to this universal breakdown or or rather bearing up in its entirety, are them, making them in our image. Now, when we read them in this context, we have to read that as us, because God is speaking to the them as humanity and us. The second player is it, or the earth. Regardless of how outdoors you and I are, our living is inextricably linked to this planet. Try taking one away and see what happens to the other. Take mankind away, what happens? Take the planet away from mankind, what happens? I want to spend the next five weeks of this podcast looking at this what, together with our hows to be hopefully more as God 
intended. You know, sometimes the bigness, the depth, the, the closeness of a thing causes it to be missed. I know it doesn't seem to make much sense. But the fact of the matter is, those things can be missed because its presence isn't just present, it's encompassing. My father was a college professor, and he had a study in our house, and he routinely come, would come down looking for his glasses. One time in particular, he came down looking for his glasses. I don't mean to paint a picture as he was some absent-minded professor. He wasn't, but he would get immersed in his work, or he would get sidetracked by a project or something going on. And But more than once, he would come down looking for glasses. And I remember this one time, he came down very frustrated because he'd been looking for his glasses again. And he, he stormed down the stairs a little bit and was like, hey, has anybody seen my glasses? And none of us wanted to point out the fact that he had one pair on his nose that he was looking through. He had another pair on his forehead where he stored much of his, his glasses much of the time. And they did another pair hanging around his neck. They were so close that he missed them. Are you with me? <laughs> and so even to our marriages, if I can just exhort you for a moment... Don't take those for granted because it's so close. It's so intimate. It's so a part of you. It still bears a need for you to encourage and cultivate and care for it. If I could also, if there are any kids listening today, no matter what your ages are, you could be six years old, you could be 39 years old like me. I'm still a kid. I still have parents. Don't forget to take care of that relationship, kids. Reach out to your parents. Don't take for granted and miss the forest through the trees that you have parents and a relationship that needs to be fostered and cared for. Don't just only put that on one side. The reality is that familiarity breeds contempt more than it does anything else. So it is with God too. Despite generations of preaching to the alternative, God is not pushy. He's powerful. He's present, but he isn't pushy. I'm way pushier than he is. He's powerful and settled in that, which manifests often as patient, willing to work, be worked, which can often be felt or named as aloof or absent. I remember teaching all of my kids to ride bikes. Actually, I didn't teach Asa to ride a bike. Sean and Lori Moore taught Asa to ride a bike. But I taught Jude how to ride a bike. And I taught Zoe how to ride a bike. And you get to that moment and you've seen it in movies or maybe on TV shows or something where the parent is running alongside the child holding the back of the seat and then they let go of the seat and the kid is riding their bike. And most of the time, the kid still thinks the parent is holding it. I'll never forget with Jude and Zoe, it happened with both of them where they would be going and I'd stop running. I'd say, great job. And I'd clap and I'd, and they would turn around to look and realize I wasn't there. And more than once, they would begin to falter and fall down. All of a sudden, it becomes my fault because I wasn't there. But I was there. I'd done my part. I'd, I'd pushed them forward into what they were capable of doing. And I hadn't left them. I ran to them. I was right next to them. The fact of the matter is that God doesn't attract attention to himself oftentimes like I think we think he does. John chapter 6 and 15, I've been reading devotionally to the gospel of John. And there's this interesting moment as Jesus is preaching and healing. And it says that they would come and make him, by, make him king by force, but it wasn't time. And so Jesus withdrew. God doesn't attract attention to himself. Here in episode 11, what the what we'll deal with is that first one, blessed. 
blessed. It says in Genesis chapter 1 that God blessed them. I think too often we read scripture way too fast. And so we miss something like that. And it's a churchy word. It's a kind of known thing. It's, oh, I'm blessed and you're blessed. Aren't we blessed? But these pillar words and phrases deserve more time than just, oh, I know what that means. And remember, these pillar words and phrases are given to them, hear us, humanity, and it, the earth. God blessed them. The players really are bound to one another, them and us and the earth. The existence is interdependent, one leaning upon the other and the other leaning upon the one. They, they interact, they affect, they bear up, they drag down. One moves and so does the other. The other stagnates and the one suffers. This creation interdependence is not set up as a zero-sum game. You cannot affect humanity without changing the earth. You cannot affect the earth without changing in some way, shape, or form humanity. The word blessed that is spoken over humans, mankind, in the original language is barak. And it paints this picture of a kneeling, of a falling down. It carries with it the sign of immense congratulations or curse. Just imagine what you would feel like when you win the lottery. There's such adulation of spirit. You kind of crumple to the ground and wonder what everything kind of gets fuzzy and you lose your mind for a second. That would be the congratulations side of it. Or remember that scene in a movie or that moment in your life when you lost a loved one or something went the way that you didn't ever imagine it would go and it just, you, the bottom falls out. That is Barak, the curse. The context of this passage in Genesis 1 communicates it as an adoring act, but I want to drill a little bit deeper than that singular expression and say even more that its essence is still bearing. Its essence of bearing out exists as bless them. It turns upon our how. What I'm suggesting is the what is firm. Congratulations or curse. Blasphemy or blessing though our how facilitates it. Deuteronomy chapter 30, there's a familiar passage of scripture. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word, the choice, the activity is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 30. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Barak and Barak. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Deuteronomy, if you've ever read it, you found it very familiar. It's the second most quoted book by Jesus. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy on ten separate occasions in the Gospels. And it's the only book of the Old Testament Jesus quotes when he's interacting with the devil in the wilderness. 
if you're like me and you're not going to be able to listen to anything else until you figure out what the other books are, uh, the most quoted book by Jesus in the Old, the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. Isaiah, he speaks too much because Isaiah speaks of him. And then also uh, the fourth most quoted book is, is Exodus. Once again, though, in this scripture, we not only see a point of fulcrum of life and death, choose this or choose that, based on given freedom by God, not earning or achieving, but freedom given by God, but we also see the existence of created human deeply connected with created earth. I'll read it again, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. There is this interdependence. There is this connection, deep connection between created human and created earth. As the what sits solidly, you have been barocked. I have been barocked. Every man, woman, and child has been barocked under the declaration of the scriptures and under the unction of the Holy Spirit. But then it is our choice or based on our choices, the, the how that sets the course for circumstances. I do not in any way, shape, or form mean to communicate we determine our future in and of ourselves by ourselves. Jesus is alive and well and gives us invitation and offers himself, has forever given of himself on the cross. But hear me, this is not an earning or achieving, whether it be for punishment or reward. It is a point of decision for determination. It's as if you're at a crossroads. And that's why the agricultural analogies that Jesus shares, the the notion in the New Testament we hear of sowing and reaping as a consistent theme of scriptures comes back time and time again because we have been barocked, but we have to determine how that works out in our lives. And here's the thing, no matter the circumstances, the players are the same. Them being us or it and the earth. So my questions to us today, as we sit barocked by God, how are we treating those around us? How are we treating that which has been entrusted to us in the earth? Hey, we love you guys so much. We hope this has given you something to think about, something to be challenged in, and something to be encouraged towards. We're we're looking forward to gathering with you, and we're grateful for the opportunity to do this with you. Now, may you, in the way of our Christ, go, be with and for others as God is for and with you.